This is our telescope, so uh, I'm going to tell you about how it all works. Um, the light comes into here, goes to an energy rejection filter, travels to the primary mirror, gets reflected onto the secondary mirror, and then it goes towards the back of the telescope. So if I spin it around, you'll see um, the telescope continues here. This is a focuser, so if I twist this, the camera will move forwards or backwards and this adjusts the focus. But obviously when we're in space, uh, we can't do that manually, there's no people with us up there. So we have a motor here with a gear, and then if I take this cover off, okay, then we can see that the gear which is here is attached to the motor. It's attached to a very simple motor driver, which then feeds into some connectors back to the electrical box on the main launch vehicle. Uh, and then beneath is the main camera itself. So this is able to take uh, scientific images at a very high quality and the images are then fed back to the computer system on board the launch vehicle, which stores all of the data in an SSD. This is essentially the, the standard style of telescope that your average hobbyist might have. Um, so it's got exactly the same kind of mirror setup. Uh, it's got a mirror in the, the back, a mirror in the front, um, and so what happens is the light comes in, goes to the back, uh, focuses at the front, uh, the small mirror there, and then bounces back to the, the main camera port here. But there's a lot of differences between this and what we use in Sunbite. So obviously Sunbite is bigger. Uh, that means you can get much higher resolution images, just much crisper, uh, much more detail. Um, beyond that, obviously Sunbite has to be an awful lot stronger, uh, not just to move a bigger telescope because it was going on a balloon. And obviously there's lots of weather conditions to consider and similar. Uh, that, that meant we had to completely re-evaluate re how the telescope was designed. The easier thing with, uh, with a telescope like this is you don't have to contend with any of the uh, conditions that you're going to be uh, whilst sitting on the gondola. The balloon. So uh, this will be on the ground on a nice solid uh, stable tripod. Um, this is actually uh, suspended outside of the balloon um, and remembering that obviously we're going to be travelling through a lot of atmosphere in order to get up to the area that we need. Um, there's going to be a lot of wind on the way. The gondola itself is going to be moving and in fact rotating slowly uh, as it flies. Uh, so there's an awful lot of additional factors that we need to consider when dealing with the structure and the motion components of the main telescope. We actually have some quite expensive harmonic drive systems which both provide uh, a level of resistance and precision to the motion that a telescope like this you get off the shelf would not have. Um, and then equally the motor drive system is just generally designed to be able to compensate for the motion of the gondola and similar. In terms of how the telescope actually looks at the sun, there is a small camera, it's not shown here, but uh, a small Raspberry Pi camera um, is used to track the location of the sun by finding the bright spot in the sky, turning it into black and white, and uh, adjusting the position using uh, motors here and here. So this gives you the yaw and the pitch uh, in order to point the telescope in the right direction. And all of the controlling uh, devices for this is back in the electrical box. Uh, but you can see that the wires are from the motor here, uh, and there's also another motor here. Um, so combined together, they give us a really accurate optical system that can point at the sun. The control system of the entire thing is run by a Raspberry Pi. Um, so this takes the images from the Raspberry Pi camera up there through a HDMI cable um, all the way down. 
Once it's located the position of the sun, it will send the commands to the Arduinos and the Arduinos then relay this command onto the motors to adjust the position. On board we had five computers and to program them we had to write a good number of different programs. So in, in total students wrote approximately 8,000 lines of codes and because different students work on a different problems, sometimes those codes were written on a different languages. So that was quite challenging to match everything together to have a solid product at the end. There's a, a lot of good learning from taking what is textbook knowledge and turning it into practical knowledge. Um, I mean, I've always been a little bit of a tinkerer myself, so I like to build things. Um, but there's a lot of people where that, that just isn't so normal nowadays. And this was a great opportunity for them to get a chance to actually work with their hands on, again, bringing a final product from all of those little bits and develop that into something useful that hopefully will be a good experience for future employment. It was amazing to me to see the students outside of their normal lecture tutorial environment. Once you were putting them into a real life situation, they just uh, took off. The mechanical students were becoming experts in electronics, and the electronic students were becoming experts in mechanical engineering. It was just amazing to see this kind of research-led teaching flourish 